Welcome back to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today, we are going to be talking about what to do when we encounter somebody we like or dislike. Bobby and I will be having a conversation about how to handle emotions and thoughts from our life that may come to the surface when we meet students, pastors, or people, and how to deal with these feelings to continue loving and reaching people effectively. Yeah, so as we start off this new year, we jump back into the ministry season, and, and hopefully we meet some new people in our ministry and churches. I know that there are, there are definitely been times where I've met people, and I think, wow, this person reminds me so much of my dad, my, my best friend, my, my old teacher, the guy I didn't like on the opposing tennis team, or, or a celebrity, or, or whoever. And sometimes I, I intentionally start wrestling with not seeing them as that other person. Yeah, I definitely have had times where somebody's come into uh, my life, whether it be in school, ministry, or a student that I'm that I'm leading, and I just immediately in my head I go, "No mm-hmm. way! This mm-hmm. person is a hundred percent like mm-hmm. this friend I used to know, or you know, this teacher I used to have." And I immediately start almost subconsciously just putting them in that position, being like, "Okay, mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to do this because." This is what he would do in this mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. And I start looking for it. And then sometimes, whether I like it or not, I start treating them like that mm. person. Sometimes even unintentionally. I'll just think back on my interaction with them. It'll be like, oh, that's 100% a joke mm-hmm. I would make with you know, this, this person. And so you know, it's not even a bad thing. It's just sometimes it, you just fall back into that rhythm just because you're so reminded mm-hmm. um, by this person. And so today we're going to be talking about um, a concept that in psychological talk, psychobabble, we, we call transference and countertransference. So transference is when the, the person in your ministry, uh, they come into the relationship and they are projecting onto you feelings or desires or likes or dislikes that actually are based in their past. They're not based on anything you've said or done yet. They're just mm-hmm. based on how you look or how you walk or how you mm-hmm. sound or what your mannerisms are. And that person starts to, to think about you or, or, or characterize you as, um, as someone or something based on past experience. Yeah. So this would be like, you know, Bobby, if you start working at a new church or if you're, you know, if anybody has ever gone into a new job and mm-hmm. you start getting to know your coworkers or you start getting to know like students around you, anytime a student or a coworker or a person you meet says, oh, you're like the new blank. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? Where they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, Bobby, you're so much mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, Andrew or whoever. Like, yeah, you're yeah. like the you're new 2. Andrew 0. man. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. That's what they're mm-hmm. doing to you is mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, man, you remind me so much of this person mm-hmm. that you're sort of exactly, you're going to fill mm-hmm. their spot in my life because you remind me exactly of them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times as a ministry leader, they start interacting with you as their pseudo mom figure or pseudo dad mm. figure, or maybe pseudo aunt or uncle figure or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they, they typically put you in that adult role, but maybe they put you in a brother or sister role and they start mm-hmm. to jab you like they think you're the older brother. Yeah. And so that's transference. And then there's counter transference. And that's basically when we as the 
pastor, as the leader, as just the person, have reactions to people that we meet based on you know feelings or desires or previous experiences we have with another person. So all that being said, what we're going to be doing today is spending some time together, throwing out some of these situations to each other and talking about how we would handle those situations and giving a couple of bullet points about just how to handle situations like this, you know, how we connect to things emotionally and what we do to make sure we are, uh, you know, seeing people as they are, not with identities we may assign to them. And we have not talked about this in advance, so we can sort of mm -hmm. go through the semi-real process of what this looks like. Yeah. So as we were prepping, we were joking back and forth because we decided we decided not to tell each other in advance what the situations are. So it's going to be a little bit like a quiz. And I'm pretty excited because Noah and I have known each other for a bunch of years, and we're basically going to pick on each other for this this whole episode. So <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start off with some examples of transference. And again, transference is uh, when the person in front of you, the person you're trying to work with, uh, the person uh, that you are caring for, they are projecting their past onto you. And so there are uh, things that happen. So uh, I'm going to just start off, uh, Noah, by kind of giving you an example. Mm. And and I'm going to ask you what, what you would do about it. And, and we'll see kind of where it goes. So you have uh, a new student who comes into your ministry environment. Her name is uh, Jillian, we'll say. And she's 16 years old. She identifies as female. Uh, it's her first time there. And uh, after the small group time, some of the members of the group come up to you because you're responsible for the group. And they tell you, she said some concerning things in the group. They, they tell you that she's sounded maybe uh, depressed and maybe even suicidal. So you think it's really important to sit down with her and discuss what she shared with the group. But when you sit down with her, she clearly doesn't want to talk with you. And she gives you really short answers. Now, you think, well, she, she wants someone to know what's going on. Why else would she share that stuff with the group? But after a couple minutes trying to talk with her, you're really frustrated. Oh, uh, so transference, what do you think some of the reasons are that Jillian might be open with the group, but not with you? And why do you think that you would feel frustrated with that? Oh, yeah, you can tell I'm, I'm already starting to, I mean, I've had, you know, similar situations like that happen. So it's, it's really tricky. And it's always, um, that's always a hard thing to, to sort of start to wade into. But I mean, first off, um, I'm thinking about the fact that Every, you know, a, a student may want to be cared for, um, mm -hmm. but they also may be frustrated when they find out that that personal information is being shared. And so if I'm sitting down mm -hmm. with her, she's automatically assuming that I'm butting into her business. And and mm -hmm. maybe that's, you know, out of a care from my end, but she doesn't know that. But, you know, she's a young teenage girl. I, I'm anticipating that, you know, it's not often that an older single male sits her down one-on-one -on -one to have an intimate mm -hmm. emotional conversation. And when they do, mm -hmm. it's usually uncomfortable um, yep. or they're being punished. I'm thinking about teachers I've had, you know, I could probably count on one hand, not in a bad way, but just times where we sat down when we weren't talking mm -hmm. about something that I had done wrong, something that I needed to fix or um, something that they were concerned about. You know, I think another reason is, uh, I, I don't know about what kind of ministries you're in, but um we typically have female leaders with female students mm -hmm. and they're usually it's a it's a smaller group and so i'm thinking about the fact that i'm coming in here and i'm not a part of her personal group and i'm sort of trying mm -hmm. to come in and control the situation and get a handle on it and i understand that you know 
a lot of students in general, when it, when an adult comes in and says, we need to handle this, can react to that pretty strongly because it feels like you're another authority figure yeah. who's coming in trying to control their life rather than with the goal of, mm. of helping them. And those are all things that I can't control that she just may be feeling and, and putting onto me when I'm coming to her just saying like, hey, I really want to talk to you about this because I want to see if you're okay. I think in terms of why am I frustrated, that countertransference mm-hmm. is... I've met lots of students who it's like, hey, I really care about you. I want to have a conversation and they just sort of shut you out or they they don't want to have that conversation um, or they say, you know, you don't care. And and that can be really hurtful to me. And so, um, you know, seeing a student say the same thing again, I can get really hurt um, because of all of those past students. But taking the time to realize for myself that, you know what, she isn't the past students who have said this to me and right. she's a different person who knows maybe if i explain hey this is because i care about you and i'm concerned yeah there could be a different outcome yeah yeah i think there's a key a couple of key things that you uh, are pointing out there so one of the things that is really critical is the empathy that you are showcasing that you're explaining so you're trying to see it from her perspective and uh, that helps you avoid feeling super frustrated. Right now, uh, seeing it from the outside, and obviously I'm just giving you an example, I doubt you would be that frustrated because you're seeing like those short answers with a rationale, like on the outside being able to examine it. The other thing that you're pointing out is the power dynamic. You mentioned, oh, I'm a, I'm a single male, and there might be like, it's awkward because how often do you talk to a single male? But just the simple fact that you are male, she is female, you're the leader, she's not. You're older, she's younger. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons for that power dynamic that, that might be playing into it. Um, and the other thing to remember in this process is we are literally just doing some guesswork and we are attempting to see the other person's perspective in order to soften and um, and think about and care about the other person. It's not, um, you're not, guessing conclusively, we don't in fact know her perspective. So we should definitely caveat everything that we're talking about as we don't, we don't in fact know, we're just guessing because it helps soften our hearts and give us patience and, and kindness and compassion and empathy as we, as we go through this process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Bobby, that's me. Bobby is, let's say, cause I know you've been a part of Uh, multiple types of ministries. I know one thing you've done really well is you've reached out to local schools and you've just equipped like uh, hundreds of teachers and uh, parents to to lead and pour into the lives of students. So I'm curious, Bobby, let's say, you know, you organize one of these community outreach days and in come a bunch of teachers who care about their students, who, um, you know, are really excited to equip their students with emotional intelligence, um, with, you know, some Mm. life skills that you have to offer. And you start training these teachers and saying, okay, so we're going to do this. This Mm. helps these kids grow in this way. Here's what this example is. And all of a sudden, all these teachers come to you um, or one or two teachers on behalf of of the teachers. And they say, okay, Bobby, here's the thing. You don't know our kids. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they need. We really appreciate what you're doing, but we don't think this is going to work. So mm-hmm. we'll take what you said, but we're really going to do it our own way because, mm-hmm. you know, you've known our kids for an hour and we've known them for a couple of years. How would you respond to that? What do you think they're mm-hmm. kind of seeing in you mm-hmm. 
And then how do you respond based on based on previous uh, leadership mm-hmm. experience or examples where you've worked with mm-hmm. other teachers or, or leaders or, or students? Yeah. Well, to begin with, that sounds horrible. And my <laughs> uh, my heart already is sinking uh, because I hate when my my competency is questioned. It's such a yucky mm. feeling. And so my gut right away went to my own countertransference. So uh, I, I think a lot of times uh, teachers are in a system where it's, it's often a war between teachers and administrators, not in every school, but in many schools, it's like the teachers are against the administration. And so it mm. sounds like I've been grouped into that, that somehow I've been mm. grouped into the, oh, this is an outsider where he's not in the teacher club. And, and so I'd, I'd want to understand that. And I w- would try to join, to join the team. And I'd be like, Hey, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. You guys are the experts. Um, you have known your students longer. And so help me to understand what it is that you need from me or want from me. Cause I want to be your teammate. Um, and I, and I think I'd, I'd attempt to join the team that way and, and then kind of work my way back. I, I do know how to do the experiential stuff that you're talking about. So I'd eventually come back to that. But you don't lead out of, hey, I'm the leader. I'm the expert. I know. Mm. I'm position like I'm in the position of authority here. So you all have to listen to me. That will never yeah. work in that context. I'd much rather join the team uh, and create common goals mm. together. So I'd try to get on their team. Yeah. Um, as far as my own counter transference in that example where they're questioning my competence uh, I would for sure start I would react physically to that I for sure would I would sweat um, I'd squirm uh, I'd be uncomfortable and and I would probably uh, I would probably stutter over my thoughts and I would struggle to recover a little bit um, because that to me sends me back to literally to my childhood to the times where I felt like I didn't know um, what I was doing or I didn't I didn't feel good enough or I didn't feel sufficient or something like that. And I'd be bringing that into that conversation for sure. And I'd have to stand on my own identity in Jesus that I know he made me who I am and uh, complete with strengths and flaws. I'd stand on, on what I know, uh, but I'd stand on what I know humbly. Um, you know, I, I don't know everything. And, and so I, I just yeah. want to be on their team. Yeah. Well, one thing, well, a couple of things I really appreciate honestly is, is, um, you said you're not going to back down, but it's also not a it's not a power struggle. You don't want to turn it into that. And so, you know, not backing down can be that affirmation. It's more about, hey, what can we do together as authority figures for these kids? And I, I really appreciate that because I think that in those moments when somebody puts something on us, it can be very easy to react strongly and try to push against what they're putting on us and say, well, that's not right. You're wrong. And here's the truth and begin that butting of heads. That takes yeah. a lot more, uh, I think, energy and it takes that emotional awareness to, to do that. So I appreciate you just pointing that out. Well, as we're talking about transference and countertransference today, we realize that one of the most important things we can do as ministry leaders is get to know ourselves. Right. And trying to identify what is happening inside us in relation to our ministry is almost impossible to do alone. It's really helpful to have someone in our lives who can listen to us talk and act as a mirror to help us self-evaluate. Yeah, that's why RallyPoint has a coaching program for leaders in that space. 
When you talk with a coach, you'll become prepared and confident to handle unique situations that come up with new people in your ministry. And as a leader, you'll feel confident and your ministry will grow as you're able to help people find healing together. You can set up an initial conversation at no cost by visiting rallypointmen.com slash coaching. All right, so uh, I have another example for you. So this story is about a young man named Paul. Uh, He's a 17-year-old student that you've known for some time. Uh, He strikes you as strangely mature for his age. He kind of reminds you of yourself and, and maybe even a little bit of a positive male role model that you've known for some time. Um, and you, uh, he loves comics, and he, um, you, the two of you have just struck a really good relationship because uh, he, he constantly wants to talk with you. He he loves to spend time with you, and um, and he wants to uh, to bring you into his life. And, and so as he shares his struggles, he does it with you, and then he even does it in front of the group. And and you f- find yourself feeling impressed with his willingness to be vulnerable in front of the group. Uh, So the two of you find yourselves gravitating more and more towards having conversations with each other. Uh, So my questions would be, why do you think he feels this way about you? And why do you feel the same about him? And is it okay to like some students more than others? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think um, part of that is just, you know, if he sees uh part of me and himself he you know i mean high school's tough i mean it's hard to Mm. feel um you know that's when we're all looking for community we're all looking to be understood we're looking to not feel awkward and uncomfortable about things we are really interested in you know that's the identity stage we're looking for that Mm -hmm. identity and i know it was this way for me in high school where when you can find somebody older than you who affirms who you are and encourages that you really want to spend time with them because it makes you feel stronger in your identity that's developing and you feel like Mm. you know looking in an adult hey this can be a path i can take i can like Mm. these things and act this way and people will accept and like me yeah and so that's a really strong gravitational pull for kids in high school so i'd imagine Mm. some of that Mm. is going on within him Mm. and so i would say in terms of myself you know i'm thinking about that countertransference of why do i feel this way Honestly, because sometimes doing ministry is really hard work and it's it's nice to be able to walk into a ministry and say, man, there's a student that I just feel confident about. You know, I feel confident in their um, emotional maturity. I feel confident mm-hmm. in their role in the group. And I feel confident that I can walk up to them and start a conversation because we know that there are students that sometimes we feel some distance from. And so um, when we are focused on ourselves sometimes mm-hmm. and being a little selfish, we we say, I'm going to go talk to this student because it makes me feel like I'm being a good pastor or leader because I can connect mm. with them well. And in terms of your question of, is it okay to like um, some students more than others? I think that unfortunately, there are sometimes students that we connect with better um, and that we have more of an affinity towards. So I'm going to intentionally treat them different. I mm. would say, you know, I, I don't think that's acceptable. But to be honest about the students that we do gravitate towards and the students mm-hmm. that we do have a tougher time connecting with, I think it's okay to be honest about that to ourselves. And in terms of how you manage time, uh, try to intentionally say, okay, I have these 30 minutes. Who are the students that I haven't talked to that I need to try to connect with? And then 
if I feel like, okay, I've connected with a lot of different students and this student that I connect with really well, like Mm. Paul, is naturally coming and talking to me, I can engage him. So those are a couple of the things that I would be considering as these concepts with Paul sort of start to come to light. Mm Mm-hmm. I think um, what I love about that is is when you own it, like there are students that I that I just like, I think that's okay. Um, what I also love, though, is it, when you're aware of it, making sure that you're aware of the other students, that, that, that it's okay to like one student, to gravitate towards one student, so long as it's not at the expense of letting other students fall through the cracks, I think. That's where mm-hmm. the trouble is a lot of times. It, it, there's students we, we like less, and there are students who everybody in the ministry likes less. And then mm-hmm. that is really difficult um, because you know, that, those students don't end up with any, any time, any attention, any ministry, and, and they end up leaving the church. And so that's why it's so critical to pay attention to this idea of mm-hmm. transference and countertransference is is uh, if, yeah. if everybody's struggling with the same student, we're going to leave that student behind. And that's yeah, <clears throat> and that's very contrary to uh, what I think Jesus would call us to. Yeah. And you know, Bobby, as you're talking there, I was sort of thinking back to an episode we did a while ago with Tito and Molly Diaz. And they mm-hmm. were talking a lot about, you know, some people think that if you plan out fun or if you intentionally try to plan out time to love your spouse, people think that that, uh, sometimes that has the connotation of, well, don't you love them anyways during the week? And they said, mm-hmm. yeah, you absolutely love them during the week. You absolutely have fun with people during the week. But intentionally planning that time uh, doesn't make it less legitimate, but can make it more valuable. And I think so. All right, Bobby, one more transference, one for you uh, that I that I want you to consider is, you know, you do a lot of work. Um, in therapy, you do a lot of work coaching, you've done a lot of work in youth ministry with a student population that is sometimes harder to connect with. I mean, going after kids who are really hurting in the regroup program and um, who are who are facing a lot of difficult situations. Curious to know, Bobby, what do you do when, let's say there's a student who comes into your ministry and the mom and dad sent them because they're having some troubles at home with their child and they say, you know, fix my kid. Mm. And uh, the kid comes in and says, you're just another authority figure. You're mm-hmm. just another parent who wants to control me, uh, who doesn't like me. You know, my parents sent me here because, you know, they want to fix me. You just want to fix me. I don't mm-hmm. need to be fixed. And mm-hmm. I don't like you. And, you know, yeah. you try to be charming. You try to win them over. You try to tell a funny story or mm-hmm. uh, engage them in the group. And they sit there, arms crossed, looking at you like, I know what you're trying to do. It's mm-hmm. stupid. And I hate this. What do yeah. you do in those situations? What's yeah. that kid feeling towards you? Mm-hmm. And then how do you tackle that mm-hmm. within your own heart? Thinking about, mm-hmm. I want to connect with this kid so bad, mm-hmm. but they just don't like me. Well, I think, um, again, similar to the teachers, I try to understand what team that student sees me on because I want to be on their team. And right now they don't think I'm on their team. So right now I'm in the parent team. I'm another parent. So they have their parents and they have their teachers and they're all on the parent team. And now their parents are hiring a therapist or sending me to youth group. And it's because they think something's wrong with me, but I don't think something's wrong. In fact, I think something's wrong with them and something's wrong with the system and everybody's trying to control me, that sort of thing. So I'm right now on that team. So I think 
what I try to do is switch teams. I try to get on the students' team. So sometimes uh, I might start with those funny stories or anecdotes in an effort to just break the ice. And a lot that, that has happened, absolutely has happened, where the student is like not having it. They continue to cross their arms. And it might take a little while for them to realize like, that I'm that I want to be on their team, but a lot of times I also point it out. So if they're willing to even talk with me, um, sometimes they're not willing to talk. So then I just kind of do that on the side. But uh, you know, when I'm willing, when when they're willing to engage with me in a one-on-one conversation, what I usually try to get to is I try to understand what they think the problem is. So if if they think I understand what they think the problem is, I've switched teams, right? If so, what I mean by that is. I say, okay, so your parents said this was the problem, but what do you think the problem is? And then I repeat back what they say. Oh, so you're saying that the problem is your parents are really controlling or something like that, if that's what they think. And so I just try to repeat back to them what they said. And when I do that, when they feel like I really understood them, then all of a sudden they think I'm a teammate. And I say, like, let's solve your Mm. problem, not your parents' problem. Let's solve your problem. Mm. And, and that helps me kind of overcome that transference. Um, and then the, the flip side, the counter-transference, that feeling of rejection, again, that I, that I tend to feel in that moment. Um, with a student, for me, that's always been easier. I don't, I don't feel that same sweaty reaction when a student is doing it because I'm not sent quite, quite so viscerally back to my childhood. <laughs> but I don't like being rejected. And, and so I do have to be aware of my own feelings in that because the, kid, the, the student or the person when they're doing, when they are telling me that I'm part of the problem, um, I have to realize I didn't do anything wrong, and so it's it's not my fault that they're mad. And so then I just kind of hold that with a measure of grace, and I go, okay, so somebody else made them mad, but right now they're bringing that into this relationship, and and they're still mad. That's okay. I didn't cause it, so it's not not my fault. So I'll take responsibility when I mess up, uh, but I didn't mess up yet because we just met. Um, and, and so, <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, like true. understanding the rejection isn't real yet. Um, you know, maybe it is, maybe later on it will be, but right now it isn't in, in that case. And so I trust, mm. just try to be realistic with it. So let's, um, mm. let's turn the corner. So up to this point, we've been, uh, talking about transference. Um, but what, we, what we're going to launch into now is a little bit more focus on counter-transference, which is the piece that we control. It is our side of the story as leaders in ministry, as counselors, as pastors, as parents. It is what we bring into the, the situation. And it's the thing that we have to um, be honest with because it, it is going to affect the way that we treat every person. So one of the things that we've talked about as we prep for this, there's a lot of definitions out there for transference, counter-transference. The, the reality is every one of us treats every person in front of us based on our past experience of other people. So, uh, I like some people because I have experienced other people in my past that I found enjoyable to be around and and now I have like traits I like. So I'm, you know, we might say good sense of humor or good storytellers or I don't like people who talk that much about themselves or whatever. So uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to launch into um, some counter-transference things and this will be a little bit more rapid fire. Both of us came with four or five examples of of things we know about the other person already. And so uh, we're just going to fire away. I'm going to give you permission, Noah, to fire the first shot. And, uh, and, and and we'll just go back and forth. And and so just with, with a paragraph or so, um, we're going to just try to answer, like, this is what I would have to be aware of if I'm interacting with a person yeah. like that. Here we go, Bobby. You said I could go first. Somebody's I taking know. the spotlight from you. You're the pastor and you have a student who is just charming, funny, 
loves Jesus and speaks eloquently. And when he tells stories, everybody leans in and listens. Everybody's quiet, and they all want to hear him talk more. And he's in your ministry. How do you feel? I hate you so much already. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so I mean, Noah is definitely speaking into one of my vulnerabilities. Uh, if you're an enneagrammer, I am an enneagram three, and I want to be the best. I want to win. I want to achieve. And so, uh, when I have somebody that I have that I feel like I have to compete with, especially if I think they're better than me. Um, I tend to want to be mad and see the holes in everything that they say or do and see their failures. And I want to pick those things. So for me, um, I know that when I'm healthy, I tend to be really loyal to people. So what I have to do uh, with something like that is I have to, I have to, in my own mind, for my sake, not theirs, join their team. And I have to see that person's success as my own success. And that sounds weird and even borderline narcissistic. Uh, But uh, I think I have to join the team and say like, that's a student in my ministry. I'm proud of them. I'm excited for them. I'm with them. Um, But it, it it is something I have to do with a lot of intention. All right. That was a a low blow to start off with. Thanks for that. So uh, in the spirit of that, here's what I I would be curious if you were working with some some students that you started to get closer and closer to, and then they made a turn. And uh, the next thing you knew, they were into drugs and they were doing some things that you you didn't approve of. And you felt like you were uh, maybe back in a place that you were in in high school where you were the one Christian amongst a bunch of people who had kind of given up. What would you do uh, if those kinds of students ended up in your ministry? Yeah, that's definitely a hard place. I hate being on the outside. I have mad FOMO, fear of missing out. And uh, and that's complicated when the thing you're missing out on is something that you know is probably not the best decision. So I know for me, that's very difficult is to say, is to try to step out of that situation and say, mm-hmm. okay. I want to be included, but not in this. Honestly, mm-hmm. the first thing I would have to do is is think about why do I want these students in my youth group? Well, I want students in my youth group so that I can equip them uh, to grow into faithful disciples of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Okay. Did the disciples always make the right choice? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Are these students still coming to my youth group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? depending on how I learned about their turn into, you know, into partying, into drinking, into drugs, that could be a really good thing. If they're choosing to trust me with that and say like, mm. hey, I know I'm here, but to be honest, like I've just been partying and I'm still, you know, just, yeah, you know, I don't really care, but, you know, thanks for having me. Mm. Um, that's that's one way that I can say, okay, you know what? They're doing this, but mm-hmm. they're still attending. They're letting me know. Mm-hmm. And that connotates something to me where I can feel confident that, um, you know, I'm not on the outside uh, because they don't like me. I'm on the outside because, you know, I'm the pastor and that's where I should be. That's a good mm-hmm. place to be. And so I think that recognizing in myself that being on the outside is not always the bad thing. Being on the outside can be a really good thing because sometimes mm-hmm. when you're on the outside of a situation, people feel like they can trust you um, and you provide a space for people to go when they feel like they they don't fit in in that situation. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Bobby, I'm going to throw another one at you. You have a leader comes into the ministry and they say, I really want to help out these kids. You say, great. You sit them down and say, here's how we do things. And they say, great. They're in the ministry for a couple of weeks and you notice they're kind of doing things a little bit differently. And then you sit them down and say, okay, so here's kind of our principles and the way we do things. And they say, 
That's ridiculous. It doesn't work. I've never seen it work. So I'm going to treat these Mm. kids the way I think they should be treated. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, well, let's have a discussion about this. Mm -hmm. And they say, discussions don't help. Action does. I'm going to do this for these kids Mm -hmm. because this is the way they need to be loved. How Mm -hmm. do you respond? What Mm -hmm. are you feeling? And how do you kind of deal with that situation within yourself? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So for me, again, uh, anytime my competence is questioned, I, I really struggle with that. And so my heart would race. Uh, I would sweat. I would fear every conversation with them for a little while. And then I would have to debate in my mind what of what they're saying is valuable, whether that kind of defiance is actually them doing something good, whether it's my pride kind of getting in the way or my, my sense of self or whether there's, there's validity in what they're saying. So I would take a little bit of time with that. And then I would consider the students. Is this uh, is this a safety problem for the sake of the ministry and the culture of the ministry? If it's a safety problem, which it sounds like it is, the way you described it, like this is a group that's defiant of the leadership structure, that it would become poisonous to the group because if I'm telling them to do one thing, they're going to go behind my back and say that sort of thing to everybody else. And it's going to undermine the whole the whole structure. And, and so you can't have everybody doing whatever they think is best. And and I'd have to push back. And I'd have to say, hey, if you can't follow these guidelines, um, you need to find another place where you can serve, another church, another place. Um, because these are here for our, the safety of our students, the quality of our ministry, the the going forward of, of the gospel and and hope. And if we're going to be fighting each other the whole time, it's, it's actually going to undermine all of those things. And I would be really sad about that. Mm. Okay, uh, so on a lighter note, I have one for mm. you. Okay, so imagine you have a student who comes into your ministry, and he is the oldest of, let's say, three brothers, and two. he's the oldest, but the other two seem to just be all-stars, rock stars, and they just have all the attention. They're remarkably good-looking, and they... Uh, are just so successful in everything that they say or do. And so he's the oldest brother, and maybe he sometimes feels like he's in the shadow of his little brothers. What what would you do in the, in that context? Yeah, that's good. I uh, I am in a family of, of young men, and so I definitely uh, know what it's like to feel overshadowed by the accomplishments of others. I think part of it is recognizing in myself that I sometimes can't have the same accomplishments that other, as other people can. And that is okay mm-hmm. because I have different gifts than other people have. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, instead of trying mm-hmm. to um, be the same person as somebody else and say, I'm going to have their accomplishments and be who they are, um, recognizing that, you know, okay, what am I gifted at? Um, yeah. You know, what am I accomplished at? And trying to lean into that and recognizing that just because somebody else uh, who uh, you know, I is really good at something I may want to be really good at. Uh, that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. I'm necessarily inferior to them. It just means that I have a different gift set. And and so being able to sort of de-emphasize in my own head, that person is good at everything and saying that person is good at these things. And you yeah. know what? I wish I was good at those things. Um, but then emphasizing in my own head also, but I'm I'm also good at some things. That's what you've done in your life to help yourself cope with your your situation, right? Because your brothers are awesome. True. And so I am I'm yeah, they are. fun a little bit. They're, They're fantastic. fantastic. And uh and so sometimes it can feel it can make you feel self-conscious or whatever. So that's what you've done. What yeah. would you do in the ministry when somebody is triggering that in you? That feeling of like, ah, oh, I'm back where I was or or they're feeling what you felt. Yeah. What I commonly try to do is affirm a person. Mm-hmm. Um 
and and encourage them in whatever they're doing well. So if I see somebody and I'm starting to feel that in me of, oh man, I don't like that because they're making me feel inferior. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this student and I'm going to, I'm going to affirm these things in them because I find that being able to affirm somebody does two things. One, uh, it encourages them in their ability that you see. And then two, I think it humbles you because you're recognizing that you know, I don't have this ability, but I can appreciate its value in this other person. Mm, and I think mm. that's that uh, that allows you to humbly admit to yourself, maybe that I don't have mm. this. I wish I did. But the reason I wish I had it is because I see how beautifully this other person can do it or how well this other person yeah. can do it. And it's a great example of their ability. And mm. I want to affirm that. Yeah. So, so Noah, I think that's super insightful. And one of the things about countertransference, like our feelings towards our students is when we can identify it, it like in that situation, you go, oh, I've lived this, right? If you, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you have the ability to speak into it. You can articulate in ways that maybe that young person couldn't, like you have a, a great perspective. A lot of times, if we haven't taken the time to pay attention to ourselves, to our own stories, that student is going to trigger that feeling in ourselves. So we are going to feel their sense of shame and smallness, and we're going to feel shame and smallness, and we're just going to commiserate about how terrible it is to feel ashamed and small, and we're not going to realize that that's what we're doing. Um, The other thing that, within the context of all this, we, we have to remember this, this is a really common thing. It's what we do in order to interpret relationships. We are always bringing in our past to interpret every person and to uh, to yeah. help us build relationships. So it's not yeah. unethical, a moral, it's not it's not wrongdoing to be mm-hmm. reminded of somebody else and paste emotions onto them or project onto them. What matters really is what we do with those emotions once once we become aware of them and and how we treat the people uh, in front of us uh, after that. Bobby, that's that's a good point. And I also think it's it's important to point out that there is a difference between transference and intuition or or patterns of behavior that we see. So if we notice that um, there's a pattern of, of maybe attitudes or language or behavior we see in one person that looks like behavior we see in, in another person, that's different than transference. So um, when we do notice patterns of behavior or patterns of attitude, that's not something to brush off and try to remove ourselves from emotionally. Yeah. A part of that comes with time. Um, just realizing how much of ourselves we're bringing to the situation. This is a process that takes time. Uh, yeah. It takes knowing yourself. And, you know, it's, as you said, it's continuous and it's lifelong. Yeah. So if there's one thing we want to land the plane with, the real idea here is you have to know yourself when you're doing ministry. When you know yourself, you are a far more effective ministry leader. So take the time to anytime you feel that sense of like or dislike for a student, just ask yourself the question, why do I feel this way? Have I ever felt this way before? And, and you'll notice your own countertransference. Uh, and if a student starts talking to you or acting with you in a way that you feel super unfair, just be aware of the fact that it's probably not you. It's probably something they're bringing into the situation uh, and projecting onto you. And so give yourself the grace and give that student the grace to, to, to deal with that. Just know yourself and and give some grace. So I hope as you've been listening today that you're finding this discussion helpful, handling transference and countertransference is kind of a big topic that can be confusing for most people working with others. 
And that's why we wanted to give you something that you can take from this episode. It's a guide that defines both transference and countertransference and gives some real life examples you can use. And it offers some tips on how you can respond as a leader when those examples may come up. Yeah, to get that guide, go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link there where you can download this resource and you'll get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and review this podcast. By doing that, you can empower other leaders with tools that can help them support others. Yeah, and also we really want to hear from you. We'd love to know how this episode has helped or what challenges you're facing in your line of ministry that we could cover next. To contact us, send us an email to hello at rallypointmen.com. Thank you so much for listening today. 